BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. On the menu, it says there will be no, the more notes that there is on the menu, the less accommodating <laughs> the staff is going to be. Hi, welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast. I'm Marlon Joseph, the Modern Waiter, where we discuss all things restaurant business. Learn something, laugh at something. <laughs> on today's episode, The Chef Effect. Today we will discuss the effect a chef has on the restaurant. Front of the house and back of the house alike, bear the tone of the chef. Here to join us today is Dave Kenny, but first, the intro. Tired of working deadbeat jobs for lame pay. I'm tired of getting fired and hired the same day. If you know the rules of the game, then you'll stay. And if you don't, then you'll be As usual, I'm joined by my good friend, Danny DeVilla. What's up, what's up, what's up, people? Before we start the show, I'd like to welcome everyone watching us here on YouTube. It's, we're still relatively new. I know we have uh, a lot of content up, but as far as YouTube is, it's not that much. And we really want to thank everyone who do join us on our audio podcast. Welcome, welcome. Whatever platform you're on, it really helps us out. If you like our show, consider subscribing. It really helps us out, and it helps the algorithm reach out to more people in the restaurant or out of the restaurant however you want to look at it. It really helps us to grow. It puts wings beneath our wings. So let's begin. Let's uh, welcome Dave Kenny to the show. First time, long time. I, I, love, uh, I love the show. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, uh, every, every show I like to give a little background of how we come on the topic at hand. And Dave and I talk a lot on whether he's messaging me or uh he'll comment on the show and he is definitely a first time long time oh yeah tell everybody about your your restaurant experience oh man i started as a dishwasher when i was like 16 at a as a at a short order restaurant uh called grumpy joe's over 200 <laughs> tons of chicken wings sold and <laughs> And, you know, in the restaurant industry, there's so much turnover that um, I quickly advanced from dishwasher to prep cook to line cook. And then pretty soon I was like running the place and I was like, you know, 17 years old um, oh, managing wow. the kitchen. Yeah. So I, that's that's how I started off. And then I went from there and got like a more traditional culinary education at a country club out in Ohio, we baked cakes, we made bread, we did weddings, huge functions, you know, catering service type stuff. Um, I, I managed a restaurant for a pro basketball player for a while. Um, okay. Then I moved down to Florida and I, I went to work at a restaurant. It was like 2 a.m. It's hot. I'm sweating. It was like, uh, uh, 
uh, what's his name, uh, Emerald Lagasse's nephew's place. And, okay. um, you know, it was great, except for I was getting paid terrible, and I was working until <laughs> 2 in the morning, and my uncle looked at me, and he's like, you don't want to do that. He's like, still want to work on the, the house? Yeah, he said, yeah, okay. that was back of the house. And he said, you don't want to do that. You want, you want to go work on the beach, look at beautiful women, and make a couple hundred bucks a night. And I was like, yes, please. And uh, he got me the interview at uh, And okay. um, you, you were my uh, trainer, my very first trainer <laughs> for my very first experience in the front of the house. Um, no. <laughs> which I still think about today. I mean, you crushed it. Oh, that's awesome. I, you know, you never know. I don't get any comment cards on how I do training people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But at one time, I trained everyone that came through those doors, and it, it was it definitely burns you out if if the management isn't cautious about retaining people and and giving them all the tools they need to. And and when you came on, it was very much you know a strong. Staff. True. So if yeah, anybody, yeah, anybody came in, they were there for a while, and as were you. Yeah. And so, let's uh, let's get into the chef side. Tell me a little bit about your experience, chefs, because we're gonna we're gonna center the show around. Uh, we're gonna explore how chefs set the tone for the entire restaurant. Really, I mean, people, you know, in the know know that he affects or she affects the entire restaurant. It's really their show. Yeah. Um, I guess like to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's the culture is set by the chef and the culture of chef is, um, it's mean. It's mean. It's a mean culture. <laughs> I, I learned from a mean chef. My very first chef at Grumpy Joe's was a mean okay. guy. <laughs> Uh, was his you name know, Joe? Was he no, was he well, Joe? no, no. Joe was grumpy, and, and yeah, yeah. He would come in the kitchen. He would come in the kitchen sometimes, and he'd have a phone book in his hand, and he ripped the phone book in half. No, no joke. So Yo. Joe was grumpy. He was grumpy, but no, his name was Randy, and Randy was an evil sob, <laughs> and he'd scream and yell at you. He was fueled by drugs and alcohol. I mean, like he was a vicious dude. And then the next chef, vicious dude. So like the culture just from beginning to end is just like, you know, they, 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 um, they glorify it, you know, even on television, the, the mean spirited, you know, nature of chef is glorified. And, um, I think it's a problem. It's a, it's a thankless job. So, you know, long hours, hot, stressful, you know, so like you're bound to get angry. But it really does like permeate throughout the restaurant to the staff, and inevitably, it, you know, it's affecting the customer's experience. So, um, through the course of my career, I learned to change because I used to be a mean chef in my in my well, younger years. You know, you kind of turn into your parents. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. So, take me back to your first. Your, that's your first job. You're working for, for this mean chef, Randy. And is there one particular thing that you could share with us that really stood out that jarred you, hey, welcome to the welcome to the show type of thing, where you're like, oh my God, I don't know if I could deal with this. 
uh, well, because he was mean, I was perpetually nervous. You know, like you, you get a little performance anxiety when somebody's barking at you all the time. You know, they're yeah. just like harping on you constantly. And we were super busy one night, and I grabbed with my tongs um, a stuffed sole. It was like in a casserole dish out of the oven, and I dropped it on the floor, and the hot butter went into his shoe and Ooh. scalded his his leg. Like, And the dude, I thought he was going to kill me. You know, like oh, he threw the thing across the room, smashed it on the wall, you know, but like this is standard operating procedure for Randy. You know, things are breaking. But, you know, like the anxiety continued building, you know. Yeah, spilling hot butter on the angry guy is not a good yeah, idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Painting the picture, when I first started uh, I worked for a mean chef. And that really set the tone for, oh my gosh, it, 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 I, I, I completely understand what you mean when you say that you get this nervous energy when, you, when you're around the person like that because you really, you're just in survival mode, right? You really yeah. just, you don't want to stand out in any way. <laughs> Good or bad, you just want to be not seen, at least how it was for me. Yeah, you're so, walking on eggshells. Oh, big time, big time. I remember having to go back in the kitchen for a refire when a guest says, hey, I wanted this medium rare and this is, you know, medium. He has sent me back out with the same steak <laughs> to tell the guest <laughs> that they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and A, that's not my job, but and B, it's really... It's, it's not fun. Really, it's not fun. I feel like back then you know, 20 whatever years ago, 25, 26 years ago, I think you can get away or maybe you couldn't get away with it, but you didn't care because there wasn't, you know, reviews like there are now. Uh, do you think that any of that has really tempered any because of social media? Social I, I, media? Yeah, probably. And I think it's become like trendy to, to be a chef. So it's like a more desired position. It's a more coveted role in society. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe it attracts uh, different characters. Um, so like back when I first started, I think the culture was kind of like a swashbuckling uh, pirate culture almost, you know? <laughs> and I think it's kind of evolved into like more of like a hipster culture, like a cool hip uh, kind of a revere job versus like um, a slave labor job, you know? Okay, so let's break that down because I think the trend in chefs that you're describing could be a trend in society. You, you mentioned the hipster culture. Also, it's understanding and parsing out where where the gold is, right? Like you you might be mining, but you want to drill down to what makes a, a restaurant successful, and it's the food. Mm -hmm. Right. So then you give this the chefs now a piece of the, the ownership, but they are just below the owner, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the whole experience hinges on the success of the chef, um, which is why, why it's important for them to be good leaders. You know, that's that's a really good point. 
And I think when we're talking about, we're going to talk about, you know, well-balanced chefs after this, but when we're talking about mean chefs, it's a type of leadership if you really get down to it. Yeah. Drill sergeants. Drill sergeants, yeah. Which, which may or may not work. I mean... You have to be firm no matter what. You you really have to run a tight ship because you're responsible for numbers. You're responsible for inventory that has a time limit on it. You have to have hit sales and things like that. But we're going to say that's all a given. What we're really talking about, thank you, Danny, is that is that leadership style that may or may not work mm-hmm. because as a server, I mean, I started out in in, in as a cook, but I was, you know, it was, it was, a, it wasn't like a restaurant that had a head chef and all that stuff. All the the recipes came down from corporate, and it was just line cook status all the way across the board. So, I feel like some of the best chefs were the toughest chefs, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they had to be an asshole. Right. You know, and working for an asshole, it almost empowers the rest of the staff to be assholes. And I think that's where where it kind of goes south as far as leadership. Wouldn't you would you agree that I mean, you've been on both sides of the table when you run into a server that that is maybe a little bit rude or or stern with the guests. It's almost like empowered by by the house right 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 like the no substitutions effect okay there you go that's that let's talk about that yeah so like on the menu it says there will be no the more notes that there is on the menu the less accommodating (laughs) the staff is going to be you know what i mean like the more notes that aren't involved in the menu like no substitutions uh there'll be a 3% 3% gratuity on top of the regular gratuity. You know, the more notes you have, the less accommodating the staff is. Because they're, they're encouraged by the management to, you know, draw a line in the sand, basically, between you and the guests. True. Now, I remember uh, the chef that you remember, uh, John. He was he was balanced, I thought. Like, he was he was just a strong chef. One of the best chefs I ever had, honestly. And the whole substitution thing wasn't about being mean. He just wanted to protect his product. Sure, sure, and that's that's what it's all about, and, and con- making sure it's consistent for the for the yeah, guests. Consistency is what it is. Making sure exactly. his creative uh, juice is, you know, um, recognized by the the customer and the end user. He was a great chef. I, I like John. Yeah, he he really was uh, super talented, and. <laughs> the the flaw with that I can see, say from the outside, is that some chefs have a uh, a blend of arrogance and insecurity, and that that melts into something that could be a little bit uh, temperamental, so to speak. I think uh, it, drugs and alcohol have a, a big effect on it because <laughs> you know, like you could have the uh, the. A great chef, nice chef, but he gets a couple in him a little too early, you know, things could derail real quick, you know. Well, how else are you going to cope? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And that has to do with the uh, personality, you know, like stuff like this, the creativity, the, the the whole thing, you know. I, I remember going to a restaurant uh, with a couple of buddies and 
we ordered and then we also wanted something to go. And the server looked at me and said, oh, we don't do any to-goes. I'll have to bring you a box because we can't do it in the kitchen. And immediately I sympathized with him because I'm like, his chef's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah, no yeah, reason yeah. why you can't prepare a dish and put it in a box. Right, right. You know, especially when you're, you're, you're paying full price. You know, it's like you're not asking for any favors. So you have to bring it out and then come bring me a box. Right, right. I had a similar experience like a week ago. I went to this uh, restaurant and, you know, it has the no substitutions and the gratuity. Uh, they were hedging their bets on one of the dishes that said um, the turkey will uh, braise and become tender while it steeps on the table. And I was like, why don't you bring me the tender turkey so I could eat the soup and let it, <laughs> instead of letting it sit there? And then I asked for uh, uh, cheese on my eggs, and the waitress comes out and she's like, I'm sorry, um, there's no way to melt the cheese on the eggs unless you scramble the eggs. And I'm thinking, now you're lying to me because you <laughs> apple. You know what I mean? Like it just creates yeah. this terrible line between the client and the server, and it just makes it bad. I'll never go back there, never. You know, like, and, and, can't figure out how to melt cheese. <laughs> Come on. That's unfortunate because you are going to, yes, by all means, protect your product. But people aren't stupid. You, you know that you right. can melt cheese. Either you're not using cheese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or, or you're an idiot or, or, you know. You're an asshole, yeah. You're an asshole, yeah, and most yeah. likely it's one of the last two. Right, right. We talked about no substitutions. We talked about, well, I'd like to talk about some things that guests can do to push the line that evoke that, you know, that hard line. What do guests need to understand that chefs have to go through? Oh, man, that, uh, you know, I think compliments go a long way with a with a chef, like anytime you can return to the kitchen with a compliment for the staff in there it goes a super long way because it's yeah. a, like I said, a thankless job. You you there late at night, you're there early in the morning, the, the mm -hmm. orders don't show up, the staff doesn't show up. Uh, all you hear is complaints because you have no no interaction with the client. You don't get to see their smiling faces. You don't get to, uh, you know, have fun with them while they're having a good time. So you're just back there. It's hot. Almost everything goes wrong every day. You know, like there's no such thing as a good day. So when you bring those positive notes back to the staff, it really brightens their day. I mean, for lack of a better term. Um, make yeah. them feel good about what they're doing. And I think when I worked in the kitchen, <clears throat> I did it because I loved it. And I did it because I love people and I wanted those people to have a good experience. Um, sure. I might uh, uh, get there, but you know, I, I just did everything the best I could because I wanted people to enjoy it. But most of the time you never hear that feedback. So when you get that feedback, it, it makes an impact for sure. What do you think is the best way to deliver that feedback? Because I go out of my way to pass along the compliments. Yeah. I suspect that not every server does. Because like, it goes in one ear and out the other. Hey, tell the chef this was great or whatever. Because I don't hear other servers doing that. 
Yeah. Do you, what's the best way to get that message to the kitchen? I think exactly what you said. You just walk back there and just verbalize exactly what the client said to um, said to you, and just share that share that little uh, share the love the nugget. Man. Yeah. Okay. That's it's. <laughs> I I look back and when I got when I when I got my the job that I have now the restaurant that I have now. Not that my last chef, I still carried the memories of, of mean chef and chefs. Now I have a chef that's very well balanced. You know, the kitchen, there's no swearing. You have to really have respect is a big thing in there, you know, because things get, get heated. And he makes sure that you know if you're going to talk like that, you got to take it out of the kitchen. And he also minds the volume. Uh, do you think that there's a that's a trend moving towards being more more balanced, or you, you still see the culture as prevalent as you know the? I think it's, it's defi- definitely moving that way. I, I think, like I said, I think it was more of a culture back then, and I think it's definitely changing. Uh, people are more mindful, I think, in general, of respecting other people in the workplace. So. Um, I think they just kind of are forced to follow suit, even if they don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate the your chef making an effort to um, shift the culture and make it a pleasant place to work and make it an efficient place to work. And uh, it's cool to hear that. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Do you think it's also an age thing because you hear a lot. You see a lot of um, the 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 management style of older people as you're lucky to work here. You know, do it just because I say so. And younger people need to understand why. Why do you, why do I need to do this? And so I find that a lot of managers who are used to that old style, they they find it more difficult to adjust and they have that back in my day mentality can you speak to that at all yeah i think that you're probably right i mean i would hate to like make a blanket statement and say all old people are uh uh, or that they an old dog can't learn a new trick you know but that's what it is it's like maybe admitting your way isn't perfect and that you're willing to learn something new and, you know, being a little bit uh, vulnerable and honest with yourself and, uh, and your staff and learning what makes them tick, learning what their strengths and weaknesses are, you know, um, incorporating some of their creativity, you know, things like that. Um, Danny, what's, uh, <laughs> what memories do you have of, uh, of Mean Chef? Well, I didn't work with the Mean Chef that you had originally. Okay. So I came in right at the same era as he was, pretty much. But I was there a little bit longer than a little, a little before he was. But, um, but uh, 
we we had a lot of chefs after we had the chef that we had. So I remember the transition of going through different chefs too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, from the from the good chef who was kind of well balanced, but everybody has their flaws in life. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, but you know, you everybody has their days too. You know, they'll be saying. I mean, I never had any issues with, but people. You could probably ask somebody who worked in that same staff, and they'd be like, "He was an asshole." What are you guys talking about? You know, yeah, yeah. to to that person. But yeah. for us, he was exactly what he should have been. You know, what you, I mean? you so know what they should they should have been buttering him up with compliments. Yeah, you know. So it just depends on <laughs> yes. who you're dealing with and the personalities that that's dealing with, and you're going to get a different reaction from different people. Yes, and. Uh, the the personality that I find hard to deal with is the one that you don't know where you stand. Yes, absolutely. You know? So if you know where you stand, it 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 makes it a lot easier. Dave, like what what advice would you give to a, any server to really like you mentioned buttering them up? How can you how can you just stay out of harm's way of of a temperamental chef? You have to um, work, like run the food, understand the, the preferred line of communication. Like if he doesn't want to be talked to while he's working, you know, don't talk Give to him. Give him that space, yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, always run food. Always be there when hands are needed. Uh, you know, like if they need something in the kitchen, you'd be the first one to run and get it. You know, just be a team mm-hmm. player. And that, that chef thinks servers are lazy. They, they have animosity towards them because they go home making more money than they do. They work shorter hours. You know, they, it's, they're out there in the air conditioning. Um, so, they get to look at the girls. Know, <laughs> yeah. BFB, yep, they're hanging out with all the, all the beautiful women. And uh, they, they look down on, on service. So if you can make yourself like an integral part of the team, at least when you're back there, um, you'll get whatever you need whenever you need it. You know, I picked up on communication. And one thing that I I remember doing on purpose is understanding, like you said, when to be able to talk to them. And somebody's always going to fuck up. Oh, and yeah. My whole, sure. my whole point was not to be that guy and not That's do what up, that guy yeah. did. <clears throat> yeah. You know? Yeah, for and sure. So I remember this this kid came into the kitchen and asked the chef the absolute dumbest question and he went off and i said to him i I pulled him aside i go why would you ask the chef that you passed 10 people who could answer that question for you who could answer that question and it wouldn't have mattered your job wouldn't have mattered now you're on the radar for being a moron (laughs) you know like why would you ask the chef that that shows that you don't even know what the menu is yeah, you right. Know, and that's the last thing that the chef wants to know that he's putting you out there and you don't know what the menu is all about. Yeah, understand the menu, understand your responsibilities, lend a helping hand, you know, like that that's it. And then, you know, talking to the chef. You have 40 tickets or however many tickets, they're on the floor, you're back there managing all your staff, barking orders at everybody, and somebody stops you to ask you a stupid question, you completely lose your train of thought and then you have to you know, manage to find your way back into where you just were, um, mm-hmm. you know, execute in service. And it, it, it can be a killer, you know, and yeah. that's one time you definitely don't want to talk to the chef. Uh, that's that's 100 percent. I agree with that. Also, I'd, I'll piggyback onto that. 
one th- it reminds me of when I used to be in the kitchen a lot, like particularly with my grandmother or whoever's cooking. I feel like the time to talk to the chef, whether it's a well-balanced chef or a mean chef, is when they're not busy, when when they're doing prep or you know they're more relaxed. That's the time that you you form. I don't want to say you form a bond, but you establish yourself as a person who they can remember understand asking meaningful questions. Right. And so I would ask more meaningful questions about the items because it right. shows that, hey, uh, you really want to know. Now, when you're doing a menu or you read a menu or even take a test, ingredients do matter. But how those ingredients coincide uh, together. Yes, that matters. And it's not always clear that, mm-hmm. you know, that this is uh, braised first or this is sauteed and then blended or you know blended and then sauteed all those little um order of operations they matter and if you're there and that's the stuff you're not supposed to know that is what you do ask your chef about you're asking about certain ingredients and certain things that you know you don't know that yeah that that the average customer wouldn't know either so if you don't know and the customer doesn't somebody needs to have that that middle ground and that's what the chef's there for Mm -hmm. i remember you were in uh colorado when tell me about your what you did with the caveman. We started with a food truck and grew mm-hmm. that into um, like a catering company and a meal delivery service. And we did, you know, um, gluten-free, grain-free, sugar-free, soy-free, dairy-free meals for people with um, IBS, um, cancer, uh, autoimmune disorders, you name it. And um, we shipped those meals nationwide. And <clears throat> I took what I learned in the front of the house and applied it to our mission um, in the back of the house. And our mission was to always say yes. And we treated all of our clients um, really kind of kid gloved every single one of our clients. Uh, They all had really special needs Um, Mm -hmm. and I was happy to fulfill those needs and help those people. Um, at some point, you know, again, there, there is like a breaking point, but for the most part, we really tried to um, cater to their needs no matter what, what they were, how big they were. And uh, that was a big challenge, but not one that was too big for us to handle. And the, the other challenge is just running daily operations of a business, you know, that the order showing up late, the staff not showing up, the you know uh, making changes on the fly, mistakes that happen in the kitchen, you know, things like that, and then shipping is like a whole nother topic. But um, yeah, those are those are some of the biggest challenges. Now, the ability to always say yes is that really feasible in a restaurant? Because I know you like to say you're doing catering, so is it, is it easier to do it when you're catering compared to in the restaurant? It's easier when you have a week's notice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. But like when I worked at True Lux, we said yes to everything. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, if somebody ordered a baked potato, we would run next door to Capitol Grill and grab a baked potato. You know, like it was everything was always yes. Um, And they were able to accomplish it within the the confines of what was available, you know, to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's possible uh, within reason. Now, okay, so 
I have a problem with the blanket statement, always say yes. I sure. feel like that's a, it's a nice thing to say, but it's a bit misleading. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a smaller bucket than, than people think. Because when you're at a certain restaurant and you're always saying like, let's say you're saying a high-end restaurant and you say, always say yes. These guests are paying for it. That particular client, yeah. That particular client of which it serves the restaurant and it serves the guests. That's a symbiotic relationship. Right. But if you're telling me like always say yes and they go, oh, uh, instead of tomatoes, can I have extra shrimp? It's not something that right, you can right, say right, right. yes. So what it, being on both sides, how would you advise people to handle it? Because more importantly than always saying yes, it's never saying no. Because a no really sticks with a person in the wrong way. They are a guest, so kid gloves are, are really needed there. Do you have any t tips to, to really not say no? I would imagine that you, you all probably handle it the same way where you're saying, let me see what I can do for you. There you go. There you go. You know, yeah. I'll do my best. Yeah. Let me see what I can do. I'm not making any promises. Let me see what I can do. Yeah. And so I, that's a very important way to handle it. And that's something that I had to learn because a delayed, a delayed no, so to speak, it's like it's much better than, you know, an immediate no. So yeah, even you that. You don't even have to uh, make an effort. You could just delay the no. <laughs> you just yes, come, back, yeah. come back a minute later and say, nah, sorry, couldn't, couldn't help you. But, <laughs> but I did try. <laughs> I, I, gave, I, gave I went in the kitchen. Shot. I walked in. I knew I what you were going to say. He's in a bad mood. <laughs> he looked at I me. I walked back out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and that's that's really a full circle. I'm gonna. I want to stay on this for a little bit, and I have one more question to ask you. I, I I find that to be very very challenging if you have a mean chef to even pretend to even go back there you know you yeah. know like you hey you know hey, you know the answer I, you're gonna get i know the answer so you have to really do the dog and pony show just, just like the shirt says nope, <laughs> <laughs> nope. And, and so i've really learned that instead of saying no i try to come up with a solution right that that may not even be an option so in, i i say as it turns out, we can do this for X, Y, Z, you know? Right. And so I'm not, nowhere in there am I saying no. Obviously, I can't, you know, substitute shrimp for tomato. But I say, oh, as it turns out, we have a side of shrimp that I can ring in. Would you like me to do that for you? Right, yeah. right. And so I turn that phrase, as it turns out, as a offering a solution to them. And so it really puts them in a position for them to say no. Yeah. Right. E either yeah. they're going to buy it or they're not. E either they're going to buy it <laughs> yeah. or they're not. We have Without a phrase we use it in the kitchen all the time. It's uh, come come to me with solutions. Don't come to me with problems. So yeah. You just always keep a solution in mind for sure. Like you, you, you can't have shrimp for tomatoes, but I can bring you a half a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it, and I really want to protect the chef because it's like art, right? I mean, you put your heart and soul into it, and you're putting out this thing. 
But then when some a guest sits down and they want what they want, and they want to direct it. But you could never do that to an artist. They would never take the job. If they, even when you commission an artist, you still have to sit, sit back and take what they, yeah. what they have provided for you. And if you say, hell, I want red over here and blue over there, they're going to tell you to go, go fuck yourself. Right, right. Now, I'm like the most difficult uh, patron ever. I'm the most difficult customer ever because I'm the guy that does that. I'm like, oh, no, this needs. Uh, are you? you know, oh, yeah, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Oh, come on, but, man. But I, How but could I know, you? I know what it's like. He always says so yes. Like, 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 <laughs> like, give me a side. Just give me a side. Just bring out the side. I'll make it myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so when you go out with your wife, is she the same? Do you guys amp each other up or is she the balance? Like, does she just take it as it comes and you're sitting there trying oh to my substitute God. everything? I think that, like, I'm cursed, to be honest with you. Like, no matter where we go, no matter how much money we spend, it's always a letdown. It's always terrible. Something always goes wrong. It's like, <laughs> I said it to her last, last week, and I'm like, I think I'm cursed. It just doesn't matter. That was the melted oh. cheese incident. Before that, <laughs> it was a, I told you we went to the, uh, the French restaurant. It's like the only master chef in Montana, right? We drive like two hours, we get there. And um, I asked the lady, I say, uh, when we get to the hotel, because it's like a hotel slash restaurant, I say, what's the mm -hmm. best thing on the menu? She said, well, you should have the pork uh, two ways. She said, it's incredible. And I said, oh, that sounds good. So what should I have for an appetizer? She said, oh, I would have the pork. I was like, that's triple pork. That's a little strange. <laughs> and then she went on to tell me that it was the last day of service for the restaurant. They had sold the restaurant and this was it. This is the last day. So this is last chance pork. Oh, Three ways. Last chance pork. Three ways. You so are we cursed. tried to go you're, to the best restaurant in the entire state and I got last cursed. chance pork. Yeah, I'm cursed. I'm cursed. And for and for dessert, maple glaze uh crackling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pork yeah. Crackling. Exactly. Pork four ways. So but she she looked at me and said with a straight face, like, it's not you. Like you're not cursed. It's just everywhere we go is terrible. Like we're just lucky to have you to cook for us at home, basically. You know? <laughs> Man, I, you need a hug and a good restaurant. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So somebody in Man Montana, give this man a good restaurant. Yes, please. All right, I'm gonna let you go on this last one. Uh, are you familiar with the uh, the Marvel movies, Avengers, and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Avenger would make the worst chef? Incredible Hulk. Oh yeah, he'd be the he'd be the worst. Yeah, he'd be the you worst. You can't tell him he'd, nothing. He'd, yeah, he'd just <laughs> smash himself. So. Yeah, for sure. You but know he, what? He reminds, he reminds me of a chef. Me. Yeah, he reminds me of a chef. Yeah, Chef Randy. Chef Randy. He was the Incredible Hulk for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Let us know about your chef stories. Write them in the comments on YouTube or if you are listening to us on the audio podcast, let me know. I'm at The Modern Waiter on Instagram and The Modern Waiter Podcast on at Gmail at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Dave Kenny, for joining us. My much man. appreciated for your time this morning slash after, mo afternoon for us, morning for you. 
Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. I'm Marlon Joseph, the modern waiter. I'm Danny Villains. Subscribe, 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 people. We'll see you next time. Later. So glad you